Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 73 of Double Hot Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and craft beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. This week, James is going to take us through the hop growing experiment that we have. I thought you were going to say equipment. I mean, too. And then I was like, that's not the word. But we are going to talk about the equipment used to make these hops grow. Yeah. So James started growing his own hops back in 2019 at our old house. And around mid-2020, we spoke briefly with Paul Tecker from H2Ops on episode 37, which you can check out because he grows his own hops at home. But now that we have more space, James wanted to go bigger and better. Is that surprising? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Never. So we and now that we're in a bigger space, we've got a little, I'd say a little farm going on. And again, but when she means bigger, she means bigger, better, more varieties. Okay, sorry. I did not explain it well enough for you. Well, I mean, our fir- <laughs> the first hop plant that I, we had was a cascade plant and it grew very tall. It went up the side of our house. So we're going to get into all of the good details. All the happiness. <laughs> yeah. All the happiness. In case oh, anybody's... man, I got to stop with these jokes. Yeah, it's getting horrible. It's getting unbearable. If I die, then you can just tune into Shannon's True Crime Double Hot Beat podcast and find out how James got murdered. From your From my terrible jokes. jokes. But first, we have a quick update about some of our previous homebrewer guests on our show. James, do you want to share the exciting news? I'm so excited. And I was just too excited to even wait for this episode before I congratulated these homebrewers who are our previous guests on the show. And again, I don't want to toot our own horn about how awesome our guests are that come on our show. And they're exciting news. Rob and Corinne from at Pratt Brewing that were on episode 63 are making the dream a reality and they're opening up a brewery in Spring Grove, Illinois. And I believe they'll be the first brewery in Spring Grove. Mm-hmm. I believe. I think uh, so don't quote me. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to hear hate mail from a brewery in Spring Grove, but I'm 99.5% sure. Okay. I remember when we talked to them, they said there wasn't, a lot near them, so because I remember I them saying they had to drive a ways to get to yep. like a good craft brewery and have like a date night. But now they can, they, now they'll just always be at their craft brewery. It's always date. It's night. always date night at a craft <laughs> brewery, right? When you own it, I guess the fun the fun really begins. Yeah, so we're excited for them and congratulations. We can't wait to come check it out next time we're in the area. Yeah, Robin Corinne, if you're listening, congratulations, guys! Huge accomplishment. Awesome to see in here. Congratulations. You did it. You did it. The world's best new brewery. You did it. You did it. So getting into the hop, I was going to say the meat, but there's, I don't know. The hot meat? The hot meat (laughs) of this episode. The Uh, hop lupulin. So beginning of the year, well, James's birthday is in February and he not so subtly sent me a text message and said, this is what I want. And it was a link to the... Hop Rhizomes Grow Kit from Northern Brewer. So that's what I bought him for his birthday because he was very specific that that's what he wanted. And I've learned over the years, being married with Shannon, that if I'm not very specific, then I can't assume that I'm going to get what's in my brain that I would want in particular. So that's true. Again, it really helps me out. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying. And what I really liked about the Northern Brewer kit that they had was it pretty much came with everything you needed 
And I like the varieties that came with it as well as it was just easy and the price point was pretty spot yeah, it was on reasonable. compared to if I piecemeal did it myself in finding the stuff. So Yeah, so I was able to pre-order in February. So this is kind of a little review as well. So for folks who might want to do this next year, give you a little bit of time to think about it and kind of plan. But you can pre-order in the winter time and they wait to ship it until, depending where you're from, there's different grow times and when's the optimal time you should plant it. So they look at your address and send the rhizomes to you around the time that it's good to plant. So they sent ours to us in May. So just in time for planting season. And this was really nice because then we didn't have to store the rhizomes until it was time to plant. So like I didn't get them in February and then have to just keep them in a cool place so they didn't dry out. Shannon's secretly growing the hops <laughs> in our basement without me knowing yeah. all, all I mean, winter. Yeah. So that decreased the likelihood of them drying out, which was great. And that, you know, if, if they do dry out, you can rehydrate them. But it was just nice not to have to worry about that step and take the time to rehydrate before we planted. And now you had had to select the region or did they just pick the varieties? They did it think- for... For me, I just had to put in like our address. And, and that suggested which. No, it just sends everyone gets the same varietals. Okay. But it, they only send them to you like, so if you live in a warmer climate, you may get them earlier in the year because you could plant them earlier. Whereas like we Got live it. in the Northeast. Which I love. So it takes the, it takes the guessing out. Yeah, so I don't have to wait. Like they don't just get ship it. And then I have to be like, oh, when do I plant this? Like it just came to me at the right planting time. It just came to you. And again, the price point on this was much better than the other alternative. Yeah, I mean, I can say it was, I bought it. There was a little bit of a discount when I got it. So I think it was about 110 total for everything, which is not bad. Like I was, when you sent it to me originally, I was like, oh, it's going to be like And again, it's a, it's a one-stop shop for yeah. this, the kit versus, I know rhizomes, they can be anywhere from like $10 each to $30. To, and it really depends on where you can get them and if you know where to get them. But then also you get a factor in the twine used, the hooks to go in, the fertilizer, the nutrients, that kind of stuff that came all together in this kit. So you didn't have to go find those other things. But if you're a type yeah. of person that can find and piece stuff together, there's also alternatives that you don't have to buy the kit. Yeah, but I mean, it's also just convenience, especially if you're asking someone to get this for you. Who might not know or a lot if you're about giving it. it as a gift, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Convenience for that person as well. So as Shannon mentioned, this particular kit came with four different varieties. It had four Cascade plants, two of Chinook, two of Centennial, and two of Comet hops. And I couldn't be happier with the the four C's, as I like to call it. <laughs> um, and these are really great hops, and they're very diversified in their very you can use them in so many different ways and in so many different beers as well as if you're an ipa person like myself and i don't know why i just made that noise i don't know why like i like puckered up like i'm gonna have like a bitter ipa they're just great hops (laughs) and they're just really good to use at different stages and whether it's in the boil or whether you're trying to get dry hop ipas again great varieties and i was excited because our previous hop plant was a cascade plant and I was curious to see what the differences in the varieties even look like, just the the, le- the leaves themselves to see, mm-hmm. just being a nerd and wanting to see for myself. So I was like, you know what, let's make an experiment out of this. Let's, because I was doing a lot of research on hop growing and and the different the different criteria, the different soil pH, all the different parameters that really make hops shine if you're trying to grow them. And like any plant, you really want to maximize your region 
whether you get a lot of sunlight. So you really have to plan ahead. It also came with, so it came with two packs of twine to grow, grow yeah, the hops. as they start to climb. It came with two packs of their hop clips to attach the twine to the ground. I'll talk about that in a minute, but it came with two of those, two packs of those. Came with two packs of the fertilizer nutrient mix, which is great. Mm-hmm. One less thing you have to buy or think about that getting the right kind and yep. like I said, the pH and getting that soil to where the hops will really grow. So that was great. And it also came with a bonus, a pack of two row barley bonus. seeds. Bonus. Um, that you bonus could grow <laughs> if you wanted to try malting some barley. Yeah. So um, we'll see what comes of that. But again, it's a bonus. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. So after the kit arrived, James had a whole plan in his head that he had been concocting. Um, he picked out a spot behind our fence. So we didn't, was it inside? So no babies or dogs could actually yeah, get to the. We didn't have plants. any any like animals that or insects that would really be detrimental to our hot plants. So I wasn't concerned about that. As well as I wanted to make sure that we picked an area that had full sun, um, didn't get too mm-hmm. wet, um, but also was level enough, and also have a spot where the binds could go up and not hinder anything else or get in the way. Yeah. So in your planning process, you realize that you. Even though this is, you know, a, a pretty comprehensive kit, which gives you a lot of things you do need, the way that you wanted to do it, you you wanted to get a couple other things to make it kind of how you envisioned it. So what else did you, did you get for that? Yeah, again, the kit was great in the aspect of you could just use the twine and just tie them pretty much to whatever yeah. you were using if you had a pole in your backyard with a dog line that you didn't, you know, didn't need to use anymore or just trees or something. Old clothesline, whatever. Anything, you know, your old, your house, siding, t- <laughs> gutters. I mean, I've seen everything on yeah. the, but again, not wanting to go up against the house, not wanting to have stuff like that. I really want to design something not only to maximize because you need to keep anywhere from five to six feet in between the different varieties and about three feet in between each of the same varieties to make sure that they can really maximize their growing. And I also wanted it to be the point of, if for some reason that space didn't work, we had the ability to move them Mm -hmm. without being in like a pot, like a, like a standard, I, our first plant was in like a wooden barrel barrel and that rotted out in the bottom. And that was just a disaster when we had to move and to move that it wasn't really feasible, but it's doing okay. Yeah. It's coming back. It's It's coming back. It's actually doing a little bit better than the ones you just planted. So, But so to talk about the enhancements I made to the kit that I went out and got, because if you look on our Instagram page at Double Hoppy Podcast, I sh- shared my diagram that I kind of sketched out real quick with my brilliant ideas, uh, but weren't <laughs> too brilliant. Uh, but they did work out, so I ended up getting... I mean, I would say then they're, they're, they could be considered brilliant if they worked out. Yeah, yeah, I guess they so. didn't work out, then we'd have different conversation. I ended up getting, so I knew what I wanted to do after looking at a lot of craft breweries and and seeing how they, they grew their hops and to see kind of like on a lower scale, like not as tall. I, I needed at least 10 to 12 feet tall that I was aiming for. And then I can just do a zigzag pattern off of that if, if they continue to grow past that point. Uh, but for this first year, I really wanted to make sure that I had a stainless steel wire that went across horizontally as the the main 
wired that all the binds would then go up. And that's a design I've seen many craft breweries do where they have telephone poles and they Mm -hmm. have a nice wire cable going across the top and then they use their twine to go up vertically. Again, hops can grow wherever. They'll grow however you train them to grow. So if you don't train them, they're just going to go all over the place. They're rogue. They're going to go rogue. Um, You can do it horizontally. If you have more space horizontally and just do the twine horizontally, you can do that as well. The trellis design is what I did for our original hot plant. And that was just using it almost like a TP-like structure using um, 12-foot stakes and to kind of make like a TP structure and just having them crawl, go up the different stakes. So I got the two stainless steel springs. So they're called the porch swing springs. And these, <laughs> I feel like that's, a that's what they're twister. called. Again, so porch if someone's springs. trying to like follow this, like they could go on Amazon, which is what I did. And got these very cheap, cheaper than the box stores. But if you have local hardware stores, check them out too. They probably have the same stuff. So I got two stainless steel springs. And these are basically because I knew that my connection points were going to be two two trees to hang the wire from. And I wanted to give enough tension so that in the wind, if it rained, anything like that, there wouldn't be, it wouldn't snap the line. It would have some play on both sides of the wire so your wire won't snap. Which, before I got these springs, I tried to do the wire just with the hooks and the trees. And what happened? It snapped. Yeah, probably about half an hour after we had finished doing this We had a big wind, wind gust in And I walked out and I was like, oh, did you take the wire down? No, why? Oh, because it's on the ground. And I said, well, well better get those uh, stainless steel springs. So I got two of those. I got a wire rope crimping tool. And it was a kit. So it came with the tool as well as it came with the feral crimping loop sleeves with it so basically the little crimping things you crimp around the wire so that it basically can attach so it came in a kit i got that i got a wire trellis heavy duty kit that contained 50 feet of 116th stainless steel coated cable wire and then it also came with four of the hooks that i used for the tree as well as it came with some wire eye straps which again i didn't use but i'm sure i could have found a use for them with, with a different design so again that came with a kit it was like 12 bucks i got a 10 pack of the 15 gallon i used a 15 gallon heavy duty aeration fabric plant grow bags um it's a, i was reading anywhere you can use a 20 gallon you need a minimum like 15 to 20 gallons um for hops so i figured i'd probably be moving them to get a bigger size eventually mm-hmm. but i'd say 15 gallons would be the minimal that i would recommend based on what i was reading for an average rive zone growth and i got 10 pack of those which worked out perfectly because the there amount were 10 rhizomes it was 10 rhizomes so one in each bag worked perfectly again fertilizer it came with the fertilizer nutrient in it but we got some garden soil to help really yep have enriched soil, but we also mix that with some of our ground soil as well, um, just to make sure that it had a really good soil base going into it to make sure those hops could really grow. And then obviously we used, from our pictures, you could see we used landscape fabric to go underneath the grow bags just because we were kind of on the edge of our woods where we'd get some weeds, maybe grass, um, and we didn't really want to have to, while the hops were growing, dig out the weeds like we were for our other Low maintenance. Low maintenance. (laughs) We wanted something low maintenance, easy to get to, easy to harvest these hops. Um, So we got some five five feet by 50 feet landscape fabric 
And again, online was significantly cheap for that. And then lastly, some galvanized 11-gauge garden landscape staples to secure the uh, landscape fabric mm-hmm. to the ground. Initially, when they grow, you want to make sure you take the, the best two to three vines that are growing and cut back the rest. And that will really promote the growth on those, those main vines there. So you really want to make sure that you're able to get access to the hops pretty easily. Yeah, so doing the math all together, in addition to the kit, you spent about an extra 120 bucks. Yeah, and that was but going that was above and it, beyond, yeah. make it pretty much what you see at a craft brewery. Yeah, but if someone's looking to do a little bit more than just plop them in the ground and put the things up, then they could you know, spend about $120 extra. Yeah, on so top of the kit. all in probably like $200, $200 or But so. keep in mind that hops do come back year after year, so... Like you don't have to rebuy the kit every year. So if you, you know, invest up front, you could, you know, set yourself up for success for many years. And then it's just kind of pay itself back. I yeah. Guess. And again, our goal is to try and be as sustainable of a home brewery as possible. So my goal is to be able to use solely the hops that we grow in my beers. But again, I'm sure there's also going to be beers that I, I'm going to occasionally get other hops. Yeah, um, definitely. But so hopefully they'll grow again in our region. <laughs> it'll be probably late August, early September that they'll be ready to harvest. And again, it's our first year. So usually on the first year, you're not going to get as many hop cones as you will in the previous year, in the future years. Yeah, it's kind of like your juvenile season. However, like on our first plant, we got our first yeah, year, we got enough for one beer, one five-gallon beer, which was good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a decent amount. So basically, we found a good spot behind the fence that was going to get enough sun and had two strategically placed trees. Because as James mentioned, he knew he wanted to use trees to kind of do the guide wire between them and then run the hop lines up there. So we found a good spot. He went and laid the tarp. And then we started filling up the pots. Yeah. And some things I didn't consider, like, again, if you look at my plans that's on our Instagram page, I had this brilliant idea of doing pulley a pulley system <laughs> yeah. so that I, when harvesting the hops, you would just be able to pull on the wire and it would rotate your hop vine so that you would just rotate it as you go and pick the hops. And then Shan's like, you know, they do have leaves on those. How are the leaves going <laughs> to, the hop leaves going to go pulley. through the pulley? And I'm like, son of a hop plant. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially we we planted the hops in the buckets and spaced them out evenly. So we'd measured and made sure that there was the correct amount of space between each varietal and even left a little bit extra because we had some extra space to play with. So we did that. Before we get into how we like hung them all up, you also did a little experiment, yes. which is what you planted some of the rhizomes horizontally and some of them vertically because you can do both. And you were just curious to see. The battle is one. real. The battle is real. And there are people that are... Hardcore team vertical hop, and then there's really hardcore team horizontal hop people yeah. out there. So I wanted to try. I was like, I reading all this material, doing all this research. I I was like, do I plant them vertically or horizontally? No one will give me an answer. So <laughs> I'm like, hey, I got the same varieties, same location, same and amount of fertilizer of nutrients, same conditions for all of them. Let's let's do an, do an experiment. Scientific da, 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 scientific background. No, it's not really. <laughs> uh, the scientific method. So I did the back row of uh, the all the back row vertically and the front horizontally, and I'd say probably the first couple weeks, maybe three or four weeks in, the vertical rhizomes 
took off. They were leading the charge. Not, I think only out of the five in the back, four had come up. And out of the horizontal ones, only one plant had come through. Yep. So I was like, man, vertical seems to be the way to go. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. Now we're two months in, three months in. All the vertical hop plants have stalled. Mm-hmm. And all the horizontal are now king in Queens. They are now <laughs> almost three feet tall. Yeah. And the vertical are only like maybe a foot and a half. And not all of them are continuing to grow. Okay. Well, I guess we'll just have to see what happens as the year goes on or the season So it just on. shows the fastest to the race doesn't always win. Or what's the, how do, what's the, 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 like the hair and the <laughs> tortoise, and, tortoise the hair. and the hair. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race. Yes. Unless you're running cross country. I yeah. <laughs> I almost just said nice guys finish last, but that's a totally different thing. That's totally different. <laughs> but yeah, so some learning, learning curve there. But again, and then I'll, also, Shan made the suggestion to do our twine onto oh. carabiner hooks to tie them to carabiners to then hook onto the steel cable that goes across ver- horizontally. Yeah. So once they started growing, then James, we measured 12 feet up the trees screwed in the eye hooks and then we so we put up the line but before we did that we yes we tied all of we put the ground stakes that they give you with the kit into the pots where the plants were starting to climb up so we put them there and then we tied the twine which they were provided to you which just wanted to give you all a heads up it is pre-cut learning curve you do not need to cut the smart ass james goes starts cutting trying to measure how long for the the twine and wait, why is this one super short? Oh wait, because they're pre Yeah, they pre cut them for you. So you don't need to worry about cutting them. So awesome. Don't have to worry about that. But oh Yeah. Well. So we tied them to the carabiners and then we strung them onto the line, hung the line up, and then we were just able to kind of pull them down the pull line to each we need. plant and then tie them off. So And then we used close hanger clips. Uh, on both sides so that they would stay in yeah. the spot we want. But now we have the ability to move them. If one gets to a little too close to the other, we can slide slide them to get more tension on one way or the other, depending on how they grow. And also it gives us the ability to tie another twine to that one as well for the same variety and give enough space in between so that they're not all going up one twine. One yeah. twine. Yep, yeah. one twine. I just want to say Shania twine. But it's Shania Twain. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm now going to call the twine Shania Twain. Shania Twain. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so that is where we're at right now on the experimental hop situation. And right now, it, for our hops, the best variety right now is Comet. The Comet and Centennial have mm-hmm. taken off, um, followed by the Chinook, and then lastly, the Cascade. However, the, our it's, I think, now, what, year four or five? Of the one you have outside? 1922. Year three. three years. <laughs> Our year three hop of the Cascade is now doing it feels really like well. Five. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, if you could follow any of that that we just said, it's a fun experience. Again, you're not going to see the cones until near the end, and then the fun begins. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, nothing's going to be perfect. So, I think I learned that. Like, no matter how good you plan, there's always something that you don't think of until. Mm-hmm. The time comes. Yep. But hopefully with these ideas, it can help you if you're trying to think of how you want to grow them in your own yard. You won't make the same mistakes that we did, but you might be able to take away something. Just lessons learned. Or some cool idea that you didn't think of. 
but we'll see how much yield we get and what how they how they grow and how yeah excited to continue the experiment and see what yeah. the end results are so we'll report back on that at the end of the season probably in the fall sometime once we harvest and we'll definitely try to make a beer maybe we'll do a little fresh yeah fresh hop edition heck yeah 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 fresh hops okay hop till you drop okay so uh, meanwhile you have brewed one beer correct yes i'm okay. like we, i'm trying well, to think of there how was many a plan beers. to brew a second beer but there was a little hiccup so yeah so so far one beer has been brewed actual two if you count that homebrew extract kit oh yeah we'll have to ale. do another uh sidebar on that in another episode that the very malty pale ale but as expected i didn't expect anything different but uh for kurt who's listening to this whose kit it was i'm not gonna spoil it because i want him to <laughs> try it after i just said it wasn't good <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway he'll okay. still try it what else did you brew what else did i oh i so i brewed a kolsch my first kolsch, kolsch. ever i mean that's col- been cold crashing and it's almost, it's, ready. it's almost ready. I'm really excited. It color was spot on. It was just the flavor was there. As long as I don't screw anything up with the carbonation at the end and make sure this I keep it on cold crashing long enough and let it really settle into the keg, I think it's going to be an amazing beer. First Kolsch I've ever done. So I'm excited for that. And I never thought I'd be brewing a Kolsch, but I'm ch- keeping are. true to the the 2022 brewing schedule and i've actually added more than yeah the already rigorous uh schedule my other plans is the beach the beach (laughs) well i'm gonna go to the beach beach, i want a beer in the beach beach peach next next uh (gasps) request is the peach blonde that's what i'm gonna call the beach peach blonde peach peach blonde say that 10 times fast beach peach blonde 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 Torture for all the listeners out there. You're welcome. You're welcome. I just think of Peach from Mario Brothers. So, but yeah, so I'll be brewing that. I'll be brewing a 12 gallon batch of the blonde. And then I'm going to, I got, I got my hands on some peach puree, which like gas prices right now is through the roof. So I, I just got some of that. And then I also have some raspberry puree. So I'm thinking I'm going to split the blonde into half five-gallon batch of the peach, and then half for the raspberry, mm-hmm. just in time for our neighborhood block party. Luau. Luau. And then I'm also going to be brewing up a rye IPA, which I'm super excited about. Okay. I have the grains all ready to go, and that was actually, I was planning to brew that on Monday, last Monday, however, um, went to start <laughs> up my brewing equipment, and sh- lo and behold, some of the water that, had left on the bottom of the kettle from the last brew day was still in there and it smelled kind of funky. So I had to do a huge deep clean of all my kettles and take everything apart, which again is what you should do after every brew day. But again, I thought this was my hot liquor tank and you know, the only well, thing I think in there you is water. also were pressed for time at the end of your last brew day. I was, I you was cut as much time as you usually did. I was did, cut so. super short. That's what happens when you have kids. And it oh, <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I deep cleaned to try and get my equipment looking like those shiny pieces of equipment that people post about all the time. Still not as shiny as what I've seen. But again, it's clean. It's ready to go. 
I, I weighed out all my grains and everything for that rye IPA. It's sealed in an airtight container, ready to go. So I'm going to, the night before, I'm going to mill the grains, have that all nice, ready to go, add my water to my hot liquor tank, and then be able to just turn the switch and go. I think I've gotten it down to like five hours total per per day. Yeah. Been pretty efficient, I have to say, with the SS Brew Tech system yeah. that I'm on. Again, the only thing I'm trying to perfect is the cleaning aspect at the end of CIPing and everything and just making sure that everything gets clean. So again, if you're a home brewer out there and have the three-vessel SS Brewtech electric system and you have a really good cleaning method for cleaning that, Ryan Carter, if you're out there listening to this, post a video on it. Love to see it. And again, if I come up with something brilliant, I'll share it as well. But I don't think so. I don't think I'm that smart. You sell yourself short. That was a very enthusiastic. You sell yourself I, short, I was waiting James. for Shan to just come to my rescue and be like, no, you're, you're brilliant, James. You're amazing. You're amazing. The most brilliant person I've ever met in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I would do that for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, you also have some new gadgets. Some new that I don't know about. Shin doesn't know. I was about. like, "What are these new gadgets?" They were, un- they were uh... under the cost that would warrant um, a discussion. But yeah, so <laughs> okay. uh, as my neighbors have wanted more and more beer, and just being lazy and not having time to go out and really use my beer gun and take it, hook it up to my kegs, and then fill up my cans and then can it. I've I've just been pouring off my draft lines and just quickly canning it and telling them to just drink it within the day. And again, like that's not ideal whatsoever. And again, you're going to end up with flat beers. And so there was two things that I was trying to find the right size for. So I have the Perlock 600 series taps uh, or faucets rather. And with the Perlock 600 series faucets, I had a previous growler filler, which is basically just, it comes with the little barb on the end with some tubing that you would then just put right into the tap. And you would then just, it would basically fill from the bottom of your growler or bottle or whatever um, to the top, which worked great. And especially if you purge it with CO2, quick, easy, and you'd be on your way. With these new Perlock 600 series faucets that I have, it doesn't fit anymore because of the size. So I had to get a new growler filler to fit those. Again, super cheap, but again, that'll help so I can fill up growlers for my neighbors and not have to worry about the carbonation issue anymore. And then I also got the tap cooler counter pressure bottle filler. It's made for your beer taps uh, or beer faucets. And I also got with the ball lock CO2 adapter and extension tube. And what's neat about this is it's so tiny that it doesn't take up a lot of space. It literally is the size of like a number two pencil. And then the metal part where you put into your bottle actually extends. Um, You can extend it to the length of how big of a bottle or container that you're trying to fill, which is awesome because... At my bar, I don't want to have to have something like I don't want to have the hassle of having to assemble something, take it out, um, press for time. Like I don't have that kind of time. So this takes that out of the question and you're able to purge the bottle by just hooking your CO2 up to it. And it's quick, easy. Have to. I'm excited to try that. So I'm waiting for a neighbor to request some beer so I can. <laughs> the call to that. action. This is a call to action to all the neighbors listening right now. Okay, great. Well, thanks for the update on that. You're welcome. All your new gadgets that we're hiding somewhere. Yep. So upcoming beers are going to be the Rye IPA followed by the Peach Blonde, or I should say Blonde, and then it's going to be a Peach Blonde a and a Raspberry yeah. Blonde. Mm-hmm. And then the Ciazon is coming up, as well as I want to try and do another IPA because 
my taps right now have been all beer styles that I normally don't drink. Shame. So shame, shame. I need some IPAs fast. He's going into withdrawals, folks. I am. So on that note, let's take you to the craft brewery update. Yeah. So we swapped it around this time. Usually we do this at the very beginning of the episode, but we figured we'll put it at the end here. And so we went and celebrated Father's Day at Stone Cow Brewery in Barrie, Massachusetts. It's not bear. It's Barry. I'm pretty sure it's Barry. I think it's a bear. I'm pretty sure it's Barry. When I said people we were going to bear, they were like, where's that? I said, I don't know, maybe Barry, B-A-R-R-E. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Okay. So I don't know if you're from Bear <laughs> or Barry. Massachusetts has weird Mass. town names that do not like sound Worcester like they're Worcester. spelt. Okay. I know how to pronounce Worcester, but if you are not from here and you look at it, it says, looks like Worcester. Worcester? That's what people say who are not from Massachusetts. So, Jeez. I'm sorry. I apologize to all our fellow best. Go get some water from I the bubbler. Didn't okay. say Barry right or Bear right. Anyways, so it is. Um, so the brewery itself opened in 2016, but it was opened on an almost 100 year old dairy farm, and basically they used the they opened it because they wanted the proceeds to help sustain the dairy farm and keep it going for the future generations. Because obviously, you know, being a farmer in this day and age is getting harder and harder. So they figured, hey, we like beer. Let's also open a brewery here. And they, for what we could tell, are doing very well because it was very busy. They had a it lot. Was slammed. Yeah. Um, when we got there, it wasn't too bad. But by the time we left, it was. Yeah. We got there like the crazy. perfect time right when they opened um, at 12. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was different. I mean, I met and exceeded my expectations, which was great. Um, it was, you know, the big huge barn area to sit in there's an outdoor pavilion there's a lot of stuff for kids to do like a playground a ginormous tv there were ponies and there's animals emus yeah and a giant teepee and playground area yeah so definitely kid friendly but not like kid friendly to the point where it's like oh like if you don't have kids like oh i don't want to go there because it's like too much kids you know no, there's like two kind of two it's like kind of like two separate areas where like all the kids can be out, like, out of the brewery, like, out on the playground area, yeah. which is nice. So you don't have a bunch of kids running amok inside the brewery, which was nice. And then you could also sit out. They have very nice views. They're up on a hill, and it's, like, a, kind of in a valley, so it's a nice... Yeah, I like their flight overlooks the paddles, valley. too. They had the options of four, four in a flight or six in a flight, which is great. Like, I love the ability to have that... Like, we were just talking about flights and how we, we love them, and, like, some yeah. places aren't even doing them, and I think that they offered two different kinds of flights. And you could also get any of their beers in a four ounce taster yeah. as well, which is great because sometimes they're like, oh no, like you have to get a flight to get a that yeah. size. The other the other great thing they had was barbecue. Oh my and god. Ice yes, cream. So you can spend a whole day there and eat, drink, play. Now I usually don't get the ice cream, but I was like, this is a dairy farm. Like that's like going to a brewery and not ordering a beer. Uh, so I had to get, try the ice cream, and it did not disappoint. I had the black raspberry ice cream, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. And so for beers, we each got a flight. Um, and out of my flight, I really enjoyed the sour, which I think was a, a berry, a very berry sour, is what they called it. And then that was shocking that you liked the sh- oh, sour. Yeah. yeah. But what was shocking <laughs> is that Shannon, out of like the whole bunch, like that she tried, and she happened to try. A double IPA, the only double IPA they had at the time, I believe, and it was, I believe, at least eight percent. Yeah, an eight or nine. Which I didn't know beer. at the time. Which Shannon didn't know, and she picked that one out as being one of her favorites. And I was like, "Holy crap!" 
Shannon just picked a double like breaking IPA. Breaking news, folks. I'm slowly turning her to IPAs, guys. It all depends Girls. on how it's done. It it's wasn't. True. It just wasn't too bitter. You but know? the funny thing is, I didn't care for that beer. That wasn't my favorite one. That's probably why beer. I liked it because it was. Oh, not stick a, it to James. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna like the beers he usually has. No, because it was not. You you like that bitterness in the IPAs, and I don't. And so this one wasn't too bitter, and yeah. I think that's why I liked it. My favorite was their Rolling the Hay American IPA, which was their flagship IPA. It was a 6% beer, and it was also the beer they happened to be brewing the day we were there. I happen to ask. Yeah. I, I'm nosy like James that. James disappeared I, for a I, while. I, I smelt the beer. It, like I just smelt it boiling away, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, I love they're mashing in right now. And I'm pretty sure my dad's like, how do you know they're mashing in right now, and what's mashing in? <laughs> And I was like, I'll be right back. I'm going to go yeah. see. Because like, well, oh, I'm going to go get another thing beer. about their tap room is that they had the taps right next to where uh, I believe their boil kettle was. Um, and so they were just up on the thing brewing. And then they were talking to some customers. And so I just happened to ask, what are you brewing? And they said, oh, the roll in the hay. And I'm like, that was my favorite beer. Thanks for that information is what they said. Yeah, they're like, thanks, buddy. Great. Moving Bye. <laughs> we got things to do. <laughs> we have thing. We have things. No, things. I did. I specifically didn't bother them because I know when yeah. you're in the middle of a brew day, um, that's the last thing you need. Yeah, just said hi and left. But yeah, so that place highly recommend it if you're from Massachusetts or you're visiting and you're near that area looking for something to do. Yeah, I mean even something if you're for not... everybody really. Like there's barbecue, yeah. there's ice cream. It's a cool, yeah. cool. And, vibe. I, and they do have bands sometimes. And even if you're not, you know, immediately in the area, it, for us it was about an hour ish drive but i think you know i would yeah. definitely go back there probably not next weekend just because it is a bit of a drive for us yeah. um but you know if someone wanted to go there and I again like yeah. what was great too is you could take your beers outside yeah. and it was like the views were just amazing and you could set up a blanket and sit outside like it was just awesome yeah. especially yeah. on a nice day and they had i was like you know i love this because they had cascade hops going not only above, like alongside where their tap room barn was, but also they had, like I mentioned earlier in the, the episode about how they use telephone poles and then mm-hmm. wire going across and they had them all hung up and seeing that like on a big scale, was just cool to see. And, um, there are cascade hops too. So I was yeah. like, yes. So it was cool. I, we suggest checking it out. Yeah. And then I was also able to check out mighty squirrel brewing after work to just get some cans before we had a nice, uh, game night with my, one of our neighbors. You had a game night. I did. Yeah, I did. Clarification. like, clarification. <laughs> yeah, we went to Middle Earth and um, we did some battle. <laughs> okay. And with some Mighty Squirrel, and that was great. Got And you got the sour that they brewed that same yes, day. Yes, the Mango the Lassie. Yeah, fresh can. Yeah, I have one can left. I'm savoring it. Oh, and you got the, the tacos from the... You, the oh, yeah, I got the burrito the, bowl from the taco truck. Taco truck. Yeah. It was delicious. Well, we are also going to be going to St. Louis later this year. So call St. Louis? St. Louis, yeah. What's in St. Louis? No, I'm just kidding. Call to action. Anybody from the St. Louis area or someone who's been to the St. Louis area a lot that has some brewery recommendations for us, feel free to send them our way. How many many recommendations do you think we'll get that'll say Budweiser? I hope none, since if anybody listens to this, podcast and knows that you're well we're going there anyway we are still yeah so don't <laughs> the funny be surprised thing is, folks how badly um they probably have my face don't be the surprised front and they're not gonna let us in because they're like yeah you're from yeah i've heard that you don't like budweiser yeah so. when we get back from our trip and we're like oh yeah went to the budweiser factory people are gonna be like james is such a hypocrite he doesn't like big beer he doesn't like big beer but he went yeah and he drank it yeah 
So I ha- <laughs> disclaimer I ha- now. We're disclaimer, going. like my brother lives now in St. Louis. And when he lived in Colorado, he took us to the Coors factory. So I just have to knock all the big beer off my list and say, And you can just yeah. say you've done it and then you don't have to go back ever. Exactly. Yeah. But any craft breweries or cool spots to check out, feel free to shoot us a message. We're always open to the local recommendations and not because I do a lot of Googling, you know, but the top 10 beer list that sometimes I get for our area is not, should not be the top 10 list of breweries in our area. So yeah, it's always good to ask the locals on where they recommend. So feel free to send those our way. And lots of times they're not on Google. Yeah. As we've found out in many of our adventures that some places have just opened. So that's true. So we're open for anything. And also, we are also looking for homebrewers to share their stories with us. So if you're interested, as our last episode with Fred the Blind Brew Guy, if you enjoyed that and you want to share your story and just chat about homebrewing and beer with us, feel free to shoot us a message in our direct messages on our Instagram at Double Hotbeat Podcast. And as always, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms. And just make sure you're telling people to follow us on our Instagram page. That really helps us get new listeners and to reach more homebrewers just like you. Yep. And this has been Double, Double Hoppy. Hoppy. Catch, Catch you on, on the brew side. side.